I felt like then um, you might feel the same also that I've uh, given a lot of teachings today. I keep coming up with some things to say, and uh, I think that is motivated. What I'm conscious of, at least, is it's motivated by um, um, wanting to um, instruct, give good instructions about how to spend the time, and also contextualize what we're uh, doing here, why we're doing what we're doing, because it could be very just technical. Huh? You sit with the breath and this and that, but I'm trying to give it, um, you know, try to uh, transmit or express. The, more of like the depth of it why we're doing this and um, my bet is that um, not everything resonates but that some things resonate here and there so, some things create um, uh, curiosity makes you intrigued oh that's that's far out I'm not sure I totally get it but something there's an intuition there I want to go see further so that's how I'm you know, I'm uh, throwing these things out there and uh, I'm not doing this um, exactly gradually. You know, I could, say, I, I could be very gradual about just the breath and just the... But I go a little further, like, who's who's there? Who's behind all this? So I go in a little bit in the depth of the practice. Do you see what I mean? And... Uh, Maybe it's not advised to do this, but I can't stop doing it every time. <laughs> every time. I feel that, uh, you know, somehow maybe because time is precious. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. And so it's important to talk about the depth of the practice also as we go along, you know. And uh, so, voila. So, so now I'm going to say a few words on practice. I would like to, to make it very beginner, but uh, I'm, I'm going to fail. Uh, so, so don't feel like you have to understand everything I'm, uh, I'm saying, and uh, and get what you get. You know, be touched by what you're touched by. Something I would bet will make sense in there. Something will resonate for you uh, today. You know, and uh, other things they'll go over your head, or maybe will create some even some doubt. But am I doing it here? This is so weird. Uh, maybe not. Um, uh, anyway, it's going to be what it's going to be. I try to organize my mind, you know, and make it very, like, step by step, but it, it won't. It hasn't for years. <laughs> so, so, voila. And people keep showing up, so I'm, saying, I'm thinking, well, something's not that bad, and I keep receiving invitation to go here and there to teach, so I, I so better follow that. You know? Um... So, some, so I'd like to talk about why, why this kind of intelligence, this kind of, like, why silent receptivity? Why being just attentive, not telling things what they are or should be, but listening to them speak their own language, you know? The wind speaking the language of the wind, and the coldness speaking the language of coldness. And the heartbeat, or the breath, or the you know the the, the states of mind, allowing them to be uh, what they are and be known. This receptivity, this allowing, uh, you know, f- flatness to be flat. This uh, allowing uneasiness to be uneasy. Allowing. Uh, tenderness to be tender and be felt, be known. So what's that kind of intelligence? What is there? And so one of the ways maybe that I talked about this um, earlier was that uh, I think I said something like there's a lot of information hidden in reality that we don't have access to because we're busy commenting or because it's there, uh, readily available but we don't access it because our attention is superficial. Our attention is, um, is um, habituated. Huh? I've talked about this. We're used to things, so we don't double-check. Huh? We're just used to things being like this, you know. I don't know. I've been living in Montreal for years. There's 
Saint Denis Street. I'm used to Saint Denis, so I don't even check it anymore. But when suddenly I come out of a, teaching a class at Varprana or somewhere else, and I walk on Saint Denis, and I've developed during the evening my attention, suddenly there's something else to Saint Denis Street instead of just the idea I have about it. That street, boring, know it, you know. Sometimes it's just a little bit more damp, humid. Or sometimes the light is like this. Or sometimes the person walking on it feels like this tonight, exactly like that, especially like this. And it might not be much, but there is something alive happening that I can connect with. And it seems worthy. To, it seems like a good way to live, to actually be there, particularly present to what is happening. So that could be a definition of mindfulness. Particularly present. Or sometimes I say, uh, I've said it here, uh, bringing extra ordinary attention. Just a little bit more attention. Um, and already in this, to me, there's this coming out of a cage, the case, the cage of uh, being uh, used to things, being caught in that kind of cage of daily stuff, you know, coming out of this and waking up. I remember somebody, um, a young person at um, the end of a uh, kind of an intro series on, uh, on this practice after a few weeks, maybe five, four, six weeks. This person came and they, they said, uh, Pascal, I want to thank you. It, it seemed personal, but it was about this practice. It was not uh, anything else. But they said, Pascal, I want to thank you because you gave me back... Maybe they said my life or a big part of life that I, I didn't have. <coughs> and over the courses of the weeks of uh, training this kind of attention cultivating this kind of attention, I noticed that I was absent most of the time. Like I would wake up and there would be several hours where I, I was absent, doing things uh, habitually. And, uh, you know, coming back home uh, at night, I would do it in an absent-minded way. And now my life is a little bit more vibrant when I go up the stairs, when I wait for the bus, when I get out of bed, when I put butter on the toast, you know, there's a little added value where before there was um, disconnection, dissociation, absence. Now there's a little bit more fullness. I can show up, you know, and this has a lot of value, so I'm, uh, I'm very grateful for this. This person was saying that this was a very precious gift for them, the gift of life, really, of being alive. And so that's partly what we're, uh, that's what we're developing here. Also, I mean, there's several ways to talk about this, but um, one way that I find very touching to, when I see it in myself, and um, when I see it in others, and, and in the role that I'm playing, I actually get to see it a lot. I get to witness uh, uh, this happening a lot. People describing this often, and and what happens when there's a this particular kind of presence, just this a little bit more full, huh? as you know in French, maybe uh, mindfulness. Well, full mindfulness. Et voilà, pleine conscience. There's something just a little bit more generous, more full. So there's a there's an aspect of uh, generosity in this. Huh? I'm giving full attention. My attention could be somewhere else. I could be half there as I'm walking there, as I'm pouring this, as I'm having this conversation, as I'm doing this work, as I'm uh, doing this sport, as I'm uh, being with myself. You know, I could be half there, but I decide it's a choice. I'm training this. I decide to be there more generously for the encounter with the other, for this moment of transition where not much is happening. I give a little bit more of a presence and just to see what happens. And in there, 
the, the very clear sense I get is that uh, is that it's a, it becomes a doorway for the heart qualities to to come. Benevolence lives in that field, lives in that terrain or environment. Uh, compassion lives also there. Half there, not possible to have a full tenderness. Joy lives also there, in the, in the fullness of presence. And so do values. And I think why we live a lot, um, we experience a lot of um, dissonance. We have values, but we find ourselves not living with these values, not acting, not speaking with these values often. I think of myself, I value uh, respect, I value honesty, I value uh, inclusivity, maybe I value... But then, if you watch me acting out or acting during the day, it doesn't reflect this some of the time or a lot of the time. I don't know if it's true for you, but many people describe this, a kind of dissonance. And so bringing fuller attention um, allows uh, us to remember. And so this is the kind of intelligence I'm talking about. Being particularly present allows for the values to be remembered, allows for wisdom uh, to uh, emerge. Even the very recent wisdom, something that we've heard not too long ago, it's not totally integrated, it's a little shaky. If there is a quality of presence, this might be remembered and acted on or spoke on. The listening that we do might uh, be tainted by the, this value. So that's not small things I'm talking about, the slowing down and paying attention, uh, giving access to integrity. Who is this being, really? Will they do this or not? Of course they will, or of course they won't. You know, it takes that extra checking in, time, a quality of connection, to actually be able to act uh, with integrity. You know? So this is some of the this is some of the things that are. Uh, hidden but available when we learn to slow down a bit and, uh, and honor you know, the messages received from the body. This is, we could call this the feedback loop. You know, where suddenly it's not just my head. Oh, I should be like this. I should say, yeah, I should be a good person and say, yeah. No, it's more like here. Like it, it's an intelligence that, uh, that can um, kind of hold very complex equations, but not with the thinking mind. There's this and there's this. No, it's, it comes from, uh, from the guts. And it can assess situations, I think, more fully, uh, less with the thinking mind, but more with the quality of presence, where the, actually the skin, the intelligence, becomes available. You know, the goosebump and the... Uh, you know you start to feel it. And so the skin's intelligence becomes available, the gut's intelligence becomes available, the heart's intelligence becomes available. And so the Buddha talks about this in an attention that um, suffuses the whole body, where all the cells are um, kind of invited to contribute in intelligence, you know. And uh, and it's a it's a it's a it's a trip for us because we've disconnected in so many ways through our devices through all the ideas that we have received preconceived ideas about the world and about who we should be and about who the others are and all the biases and all the all the messages we've received and so 
part of what's happening here is that we're making this uh, trip back in the guts and in the skin and uh, we encounter um, difficulties you know because of this disconnection it doesn't appear we don't feel it it feels boring pointless so doubt arises what am i doing here this is pointless agitation arises the desire uh, for this or that the ideas we have this is going to be satisfying it's not here now it's over there it's this thing and so we're we're hooked so we don't have access because we're hooked by all these beliefs you know that it's out there this other version of reality and there's judgments um, against the body or parts of it or 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 we've felt pain in the body so we've uh, we've um, checked out you know we disconnected dissociated and so the coming back is not it's is not that easy and it might be for you it might be this week you know like i don't want to make uh, this only painful you know it could be many things um, You should check this out if you recognize something or if it elicits something in you. Maybe uh, a wish to go see further if that's true. If there is truly something in there. Something else that... Um, very, very potent information that is, uh, yeah, somewhat hidden or that we haven't been touched by vipassana, deep, seeing deeply, being deeply touched by reality, even shaken sometimes by uh, by things. Um, and so, as we pay attention to um, the sense experience, uh, you know, a smell, a taste that appears whiff of wind, sudden, the appearance of uh, the sound of rain and the transformation of that sound, kind of light and delicate to intense, to delicate again, to gone. So when we pay attention to these in the inner world also, the appearance of um, this rush of um, impatience, you know, you want to get out of here now, you know, that's enough, you know. Uh, so when we pay attention to uh, all these different um, events that happen, without describing them so much, as I'm doing now, I'm putting words, because that's how communication goes, partly. Um, but being there, being particularly present for this that is happening now, uh, what starts to stand out is the dynamic nature of everything. That's very much core Buddhism here. The dynamic, ephemeral, um, uh, impermanent nature of events. And this is, when this is met with really high quality attention, it's known to be transformative. And so with superficial attention, intelligence, such as, yeah, we know everything passes. Come on. You know? So this is a very superficial way of knowing about impermanence. But there's a deeper way where we are actually touched. We are there stable enough in the mind to actually notice the arising, the life, and the disappearing of an event. And it could be even just a step. You know? The actual experience of a hardness becoming lightness, becoming movement, becoming hardness again. And so we want to slow down to expose ourselves to the arising and passing nature of events, of light, of coolness, coldness, of taste, of uh, uneasiness in the dining hall, of boredom, a ah, big wave of boredom, Arising, and we don't want to f- uh, feel felt prey to, or uh, get caught in, or identified with, you know, duped by. We want to be awake to 
the arising and the passing of boredom, to know that we don't have to spend our life fleeing boredom, because it does appear and disappear on its own. And so does beauty. And so this is a much deeper understanding of life than the than the kind of cravings we like I want this I need this always projecting on things uh, permanence and satisfaction you know and being fooled duped all the time I want this because it's going to provide and I need this when actually does it you know and when we start really paying attention we are deeply touched or can be deeply touched vipassana deeply touched I translate it freely like this deeply touched by the passing nature of things, of health, of youth, uh, of governments, of beauty, of sense of meaning, of clarity becoming suddenly confusion, confusion passing, you know. So this is very, very stabilizing in the heart and mind of a being when there's high-quality exposure to the dynamic nature of reality. So that's why we come here. That could be one of the main reasons we come here, to actually tune in enough to see a taste appear and disappear, instead of habitually uh, being always chasing for the new chasing for the new, the new taste, the new neck. Okay, we've done the sitting now. Let's go do walking. Walking. Okay, let's ring the bell. Let's go do something else. Okay, I've done the retreat now. I got it. <laughs> Let me, you know, get on my phone now. And, you know, get some news. Bored with that news. Let me change channel. You know? And so, so we let go of that kind of habit of always looking for the new, the new, and we learn to attend to what is there. And so that particular information of... Uh, uh, impermanence, ephemeral nature of mind states, of ideas, of beliefs, of perception, how things appear. You know, a few months ago it seemed like a really good idea to come on retreat. And now? <laughs> Who knows? You know, you might be like, what did I think? It appeared like a really good idea. <laughs> and I'm stuck here until Friday. You know, and who knows what's going to happen with that impression in a few hours? You know? Oh, Pascal, I'm so grateful I came. <laughs> I thought you were an amazing teacher, but when you said that, oh, you're the worst. <laughs> and uh, even the perception of self, you know, I'm never going to get this. I got this. I have it better than anybody here. They all seem so agitated. I'm so quiet. <laughs> oh God, I can't do this. They're all so quiet. <laughs> and so here we slow down and we pay attention to this. It's, uh, we're invited to a very intimate encounter with uh, the dynamic nature of reality. It has very, very deep implication. The Buddha talks about complete freedom You know, to deeply understand that things passes, they say, is, brings the deepest peace. So fear of death, maybe, can pass. Understanding that there will be. I don't have to fear it's going to happen. It is. There will be the end of this kind of knowing in this form. You know? And if we actually pay attention here during the day, we'll see it vanish all the time. Where's the moment where you were, you were going down the stairs earlier to go walking? That has ended. It lived. And naturally, it vanished. And so we want to get acquainted with the arising and passing nature of things so that when we lose somebody else, our health, our youth, our identity, or part of it, you know, that was related to a function we had, you know, 
maybe having done this practice, I was like, oh, I knew about this. I knew that things passed. Oh, yeah. I didn't get fooled and totally identified with youth or with well-being or with disease or with being that or that in society. You know, these were conditions that appeared and disappeared. And so here we come to actually meet this in a way that is um, non-threatening in a way, because it's the arising of wind and the passing of wind. It's the arising of the hour and the passing of the hour. It's the arising of calm and the disappearance of calm. It's not that threatening. But then we get used to seeing things pass. And so that's something that is hidden by a kind of dominant culture. You know, the fact that things are dynamic, that mind change and things... Um, Witter, is that the word? Witter? No. Witter. Yeah, like fall apart. Mm -hmm. They certainly don't want to tell you this when they sell you something. This is going to provide complete satisfaction. You know? And then you get it. Then you start to worry. Is it liable to change also? Yes, it is. It could be taken could disappear, it could become out of fashion. (laughs) And so, coming close to this is very tenderizing. It's very kind of a reality check. We become more real about things. And somehow it makes, it's kind of bittersweet, I think. It's, uh, It's a strange news. It's liberating to find out the, the truth about things. And it's also well, a little bitter because we're understanding that there's not going to be complete satisfaction in things. Right? There's not going to be complete satisfaction in the other because the other is unstable. Will disappear, might disappear, might change, might want something else, might see us in a way and then see us in a different way. You know, so we can't count exactly on the other, fully, totally. You know. can count on, uh, on much things, because they're changing, they're conditional. And then in the teaching it says, coming close to this, Actually, we can make peace with things instead of uh, being very stressed, hoping they'll be otherwise, hoping they'll be satisfying, hoping we'll be able to control everything. That's extremely uh, energivore, energy-sapping, or energy-eating, to actually keep hoping it's going to go my way. I'm going to control things. So, very strange that freedom would come from a recognition that there's a lot of uncontrollability happening. Very surprising, huh? You would think, you know, like, what would be like liberating news would be like, let me give you control <laughs> over things. And now the liberating news is that it's unstable and uh, we can't control things exactly. But maybe we, maybe we learn here that we actually can show up, that there's ways to show up that are helpful for ourselves and others. It becomes uh, more palpable. It's other, other than hearing about it, we get to taste it. Calm is helpful. Acceptance or recognition, oh, it's like this right now, is helpful. Tenderness, benevolence, care is always helpful. That's what is said in the teachings, but then we come here to test it. How it is in the absence of that. How are things going for you in the absence of these? And how the same things are going in the presence of these. That's what we come to check out. So just sitting here, 
removing all benevolence, all friendliness, all goodwill, you know, and instead bringing wish for something else, strong wish for something else. How's the sitting going as you sit without any care for what's happening and just a wish for something else? We come here to test this and to notice. And we have loads of hours to notice. Oh my God, that's painful. That makes things even more painful to wish things to be otherwise. To hope, to demand things to be otherwise. But this we have to check it out, check out for ourselves, you know. And it happens in the course of the practice where we discover after fighting, resisting, wanting something else, at some point when the system goes, ah, okay, let it be there. Oh, my God, it's much more bearable in this way than resisting, hating, fearing, you know, allowing this to be there. Oh, dejection, discouragement. No, I shouldn't be discouraged, I should be confident. You know. <laughs> oh, discouragement, what's the taste of discouragement? Bringing curiosity. Oh, that's liberating. I don't have to do anything about it. It's just discouragement feels like this. So now I'm not duped, I'm not identified, I'm not, you know, immersed, swollen, swallowed by, and I'm not rejecting. I'm discovering the middle path, recognizing what is there, allowing it to be there. Oh, it amplifies. Oh, it changes texture. Oh, suddenly there's a certain sweet sweetness that wasn't there before. You know, we went from harsh discouragement to soft discouragement, to compassionate discouragement, to compassion, to care. Was, um, I think in an exchange on the first day of the retreat at the meal time, we were talking about uh, Ruth King. Who was it with? Who was a friend? Did I make this up? Somebody has a friend who lives in Spain who sat at Spirit Rock. Oh, yes. (laughs) I just outed you. You have a friend (laughs) who lives in Spain. So we were talking about Ruth King, one of the, one of, one another teacher in this tradition, a colleague and friend, and uh, talking about the um, hidden uh, aspects of reality that are hidden in experiences, in that we can discover when we pay attention to either the at any of the sixth sense door. You know, like either in taste and sight and hearing. That's, that's always a challenge for me to go through all, <laughs> all of these. So, seeing, smelling, tasting, hearing, feeling in the body, or feeling in the mind, heart, you know, the images or moods that pass through. So, staying there at the sense door, uh, receiving uh, data there being really close, the things that are, that are revealed. Um, when Ruth King talks about this, she'll, she'll, I think she says the three Ps, the three Ps. And she, the way she expresses it, she says, Honey, it's not permanent, it's not perfect, and it's not personal. And so as we sit here and pay attention to temperature, it could be anything. I chose this one. It could be anything. It could be thoughts. It could be, it could be taste. It could be anything in the sense door. What we might end up noticing if we put enough quality hours of practice is that it's passing, as we've talked about now for a few minutes. It's not uh, permanent. It's not perfect. It can't be. Just by the fact that it's passing... 
it means it's ephemeral. It can't actually sustain, support us in a reliable, complete way. Do you see what I mean? It's not perfect, and it's not personal. This is a even deeper, maybe inside or a different inside here. And as we sit here and walk here and pay attention here as we move about and do the different things we do, I think what we're going to start seeing a little bit more that will kind of stand out of this tapestry of things, of how things seem, something that will start to stand out, is that things are conditional. They need, they need condition, particular conditions to happen. Huh? And so, um, you know, the weather needs certain condition will make rain happen or sun happen. And in the same way in the heart, certain conditions will make boredom happen or self-loathing. Or a certain condition will make gratitude appear. Certain conditions will make lower back ache. Other conditions will make... And as we sit and keep seeing this, seeing this, how suddenly opinions arise out of conditions. Something was seen, some education was received, opinion appears we'll start to notice this very, very subtle point here, that things are not so personal. Sitting here, wishing to be somewhere else, needed some conditions to appear. One of them being confusion. You know, the belief that it's somewhere else when something is happening here. Uh, and so the light here appearing on the floor is not personal this we can recognize easily no? it's not so personal but it happens we feel it and we're touched by it but it's not very personal it's not like you know somebody opened the sky just for moi you know for moi to feel this it's not very personal and we'll start to notice that inwardly also the different feelings we feel although they're felt and we're very personally they come out of conditions, education, situations, uh, maybe hormonal movements. You know? And so this can bring a lot of freedom, because what we tend to do is take much of the things very personally, my thoughts, my opinions, my, I don't know, if I have a cruel thought crossing my mind, and I'm identified with it, Suddenly, I'm cruel, I take it personal, I'm a cruel person. Why do I wish harm to this person? But with time and practice, we start to discover, oh, cruelty arises. It arises in minds, you know. We don't have to make it personal. It's just, it can be noticed with wisdom and not acted upon. You know, I don't have to make a big deal out of it. Do you see a little bit what I'm pointing to? So I don't have to be, I've learned maybe that I don't have to be faithful to every movements of mind, you know, like making it personal and following it, following it. You know, that some things that appear in the mind are contextual and they're not that worthy, they're not that helpful. I don't have to make them mine, I don't have to hide them or own them in a shameful way or in a proud way. I'm so generous. Generosity appears sometimes. It's good to act on it. You know? I don't have to define myself by it. Because defining myself by it means I'm going to define myself by the next thing also. And so this is a very... Sub I told you at the beginning, I'm not going to go ABC. I can't. I'm, I'm failing more and more at that for some reason. <laughs> but, and so as we sit here, we learn to allow things. Now there's, they're just words or they might touch you in some way. There's nothing like insight discovering this for ourselves. But this is the path. It's good to lay out a bit of the path, you know, that we're uh, walking on. And the bit of the path is that we take things a little bit less uh, personal. We're less identified. If the message comes and says, Pascal, you're a piece of shit, you know, I don't have to be faithful to this. You know, it's, uh, it arises due to conditions, something, you know, 
education, society, in my case probably there would easily be, I would say, um, internalized homophobia, different things, you know, that would send, easily send the message that this person is unworthy, you know. And I can recognize this for what it is. I don't have to actually push it away. No, it's not true. I'm worthy and, and get in a struggle, you know. I can just recognize. That's what we're doing here. We're learning to recognize what is present. Oh, self-loathing is present. Oh, not easy. Not easy. How do we meet this? With care. With care. You know, not clinging to it like, don't. Don't say this message. Stop saying this message. No. This is the message that will be sent maybe once in a while or regularly or in an ongoing way because of conditions. It's a fake news. You know? And so this is, uh, you know, on the longer path, you know, this is very liberating take things less personally. You know, so if if uh, when we eat tonight you find the broccoli a little bit less cooked than you would want, it's not personal. <laughs> or, if it's a little more, or if it's delicious, then it's very personal. <laughs> it was really meant for us to enjoy in this way. But um, with time we learn to uh, slowly, very slowly, it's very uneven, it's a lot more messy than I presented. But to take things a little bit less personally, uh, even things that are extremely intimate, we recognize that they belong to human nature, that they happen in human beings. And we don't have to fight with them, own them, be ashamed of them, or we can just let them arise. Oh, boredom, you know, boredom arises. Uh, the desire to be somebody else. Oh, fear. Fear arises in human beings. You know, you don't have to spend the rest of the morning feeding the fear or trying to get away from it. Fear does happen. So it's a strange news, huh? That even what happens inside of us is not that personal. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> And yet, it's really felt very, very intimately huh? by this consciousness, you know, like it's not felt over there, it's felt really here, suddenly when there's a moment of shame, you know, it's really felt here, it's impacting this heartbeat, this heat system of the body, it's impacting the whole system in a way very, very personally, we can definitely say that. And yet, it's something also that we could describe as universal. Oh, these things happen to human beings. How amazing. And here maybe we start to appreciate that we have, a, we have a access to human nature, a very privileged access to human nature. We have like, we're first seat. We're sitting <laughs> right in it, in the midst of the human uh, experience. So anything that's going to happen for us uh, in the rest of the afternoon and the evening is what happens to humans sometimes. It's not that personal. So let's sit just for a moment to see what's alive in there. So not producing anything, or maybe just the intention to, uh, to experience more fully. Not in a grasping way, not in a clinging way, not in a forcing way, but just allowing allowing what is there to be experienced. And you might think, look at that, it feels so personal, this breath, 
this heartbeat, this mood, this attitude of mind, this uneasiness, this this well-being. And you, you can totally perceive it this way. It's totally valid. You know? And I'm expanding here. So the view offering maybe a different perception that might be valid also and helpful sometimes, certainly. But what is happening here is nature. This exact mind state you're in, neutral or charged or confused or grateful, calm. This is one of the ephemeral things that happens in the universe. It's happening locally now. comes to be. Let's see what happens to it. Especially what happens to it if it's met with uh, friendliness. Sometimes the mind or heart, I use them um, synonymously or together. Heart-mind sometimes is uh, open, sometimes it's closed or tight. Sometimes it's spacious in there. Sometimes it's uh, occupied, preoccupied. And so here we just notice, oh, it's like this right now. Sometimes it's pleasant to be in the mind or heart, and sometimes it's unpleasant. Sometimes it's not one or the other, it's more neutral. So here we just notice, oh, it's like this right now. Simple or flat or rich or... hard, smooth, clear, foggy. And similarly being in the body, sometimes it's pleasant, sometimes unpleasant. Anything in between or above. So now it's like this, we notice, it's like this right now, in this body. The Buddha uses a lot of images of nature to talk about the experiences of body and mind. Talking about earthquakes. Sometimes the earth is still, and sometimes it shakes, and so does the heart and body. Talking about floods or drought, sometimes on earth there's no water available. Sometimes there's loads of water everywhere. Similarly in the body in the body and in the heart. Sometimes we're flooded, sometimes it's dry. And anything in between talks about the wind. Sometimes there's a lot of wind that pushes on everything. Sometimes no wind can be found at all. Air is still, not moving. 
similarly in the heart and in the mind and body sometimes a lot of movements sometimes nothing Sometimes everything is cold outside, frozen, sometimes hot, burning, same in the heart, mind, nature, natural. May there be a freedom in these natural hearts and mind and bodies, opening and closing and opening <coughs> and closing. Thank you for your um, consideration, thank you. So now we can be thankful to ephemerality and din- dynamism, the dynamic nature of things, grateful to impermanence. Where there was no meal, a meal appears. <laughs> so uh, please enjoy the meal. And uh, whatever the time is made of for you in the next uh, hour and a half. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.